Welcome to Digital Mental Health Conversations, the podcast by SilverCloud Health. The fourth podcast in our series is about building a proactive well-being program for remote employees, featuring thriving workplaces. So let me introduce today's guest. We are joined by Rosie Franz. Rosie is the Health and Wellbeing Manager for Thrive Tribe and a Workplace Health Facilitator for their Workplace Health Provision, Thriving Workplaces. She is responsible for overseeing the promotion and delivery of mental health initiatives within Thrive Tribe, ensuring that everyone's well-being needs are being met by the company. Since Thriving Workplaces launched in 2017, she supported a wide variety of employers with the promotion and delivery of health and well-being initiatives with a focus on mental health. Rosie is experienced in the delivery of mental health first aid training, emotional resilience training, and bespoke workshops on well-being in the workplace. Welcome, Rosie. So welcome, Rosie, and thank you very much for, for joining us on, on this podcast today to talk about building a proactive well-being program for remote employees. So I, I guess the first thing is, is to find out about the work that you're doing. So could you tell me a little bit more about Thriving Workplaces and the work that you do? Yeah, of course. So Thriving Workplace is an initiative that was started over three years ago now in 2017. So we are a service that is funded by Public Health at Norfolk County Council. We're there to support any workplaces in Norfolk with any health and well-being issues that they may be having within their workplace. So we do support workplaces with a really wide range of things from motorization, alcohol and substance misuse, healthy eating, physical activity, communication. And we're fine. We, what we found um, over the past three years is the, the vast majority of our work has actually been around mental health and well-being. And we did think it was going to be something that was a big topic because it's not something that a lot of companies have necessarily addressed within their workforce previously. But we are finding it, finding that it's taking up about sort of 89, 90% of our workload. So how we support companies is going in with a survey. Firstly, because we work with everybody from sort of 10-person offices all the way up to large manufacturers that have got several hundred employees spread across different sites, different departments. So it wouldn't really make sense if we approached each different workplace in the same way. We need to find out more about what has previously been done within the workplace. We need to find out more about people's attitudes to their employer at the moment. Are they quite an engaged workforce at the moment? Are they a workforce that, you know, is maybe lacking a little bit of communication? There needs to be some work done there, some work done with leadership communication. So we try and find out as much about what's previously been done, that kind of thing, before we start doing anything, what we call our sort of analysis phase. We also do a gap analysis for the company and we do um, a cultural analysis as well to find out if there's any kind of discrepancies between different areas of the business. Once we've done that, We offer a package of different things, including policy development, help with forming communication plans and training. So we offer mental health first aid training. We offer emotional resilience training and we offer support with um, health promotion events, how you would promote things like health and well-being within the workplace, whether that be through um, a sort of long term campaign or whether that be through an awareness day. And we also train health champions as well to kind of be the sort of representatives within the workplace because as many surveys we can do as many gap analysis analysis as we can do within a workplace we're not actually going to know what it's like to work there so we need to find out from people from different areas of the organization different levels of the business what kind of things they want to see and what's actually going to be useful for them so that's what we do within thriving workplaces 
So we use, you know, it's a kind of structure that we use that is very, very flexible, which is kind of a sort of check through the analysis phase, plan, do, and then after a period of six months to a year, we then run the survey again. We have another look at the gap analysis and we see, do we need to shift our focus to a different area? Is there anything that we've done this past year that we can build on? What things worked? What things haven't worked? What do we need to do differently? There's very much this kind of like check, plan, do, recheck, form a new plan cycle that we work through that seems to work really well for lots and lots of different types of businesses. So it sounds like you really try to understand the the unique situation of each business and have a, a kind of a tailored approach then. Um, you know, definitely not that, that kind of one size fits all, which is really kind of great to hear. And I, and I guess, how does that really, how do you think that kind of translates to, I guess, the most important topic at the moment that's at the forefront of everyone's mind, which is kind of COVID-19? How does this kind of translate to that? And, and with the current kind of situation as it is, and, and um, obviously it kind of going on for, for quite some time, have you seen much of a shift from employers or employees in their approaches to well-being mental health? Yeah, we definitely have done. And I think one of the, the, the biggest shifts that we have seen is a lot of workplaces who have been able to recognise that flexible working is something that is good and is something that is possible for them as a business to do. So there's definitely been um, a greater emphasis on mental well-being within the workplace. I think mental well-being within the workplace is something that is becoming more and more popular. There's more and more companies who are coming to us who are just purely focused on mental well-being within the workplace. And it's, it's something that was gaining traction anyway. But then with COVID-19 and more people working from home, people going on furlough and unfortunately some redundancies, more businesses are definitely taking that as more of a priority. For some companies, it seems like this um, has resulted in there being a greater budget for any potential health and well-being initiatives. For some companies, due to the economic climate, there's definitely been um, a decline in budget. So we're seeing them more interested in what kind of free council funded options we can offer them. But because there has been quite a lot of um, information that's been put out by the media about a um, reduction in people's mental well-being, about increased feelings of anxiety, loneliness, and some of the financial hardships that people are having. A lot of companies are doing all that they can to protect their employees' mental health so that they can, you know, sort of welcome them back when the time is right for them to still be happy in their job role and feel like they're being supported by their employer. And with with flexible working as well, it's something that a lot of companies have been quite sort of resistant towards because there's always the worry that people aren't going to be sort of honest about what they're doing when they're working from home, not when they're not under supervision. But the the situation with COVID-19 meant that companies had to let people work from home. And once that kind of trust was in place, then the kind of trust for increasing sort of flexible working, allowing people to you know, take the afternoon off and then make the time up another time instead of having strict working hours. We're seeing a lot more companies implement flexible working policies, which is a really, really good thing for people's engagement within the company because they definitely feel like they're being more trusted. So they are more appreciative of their employer. They become better workers. And it's good for people's mental well-being as well because not everybody works best nine to five. So that's one of the biggest kind of shifts that we've seen in in sort of um, mental well-being and sort of organizational culture because of the current situation 
It's, it's an interesting dichotomy that, that you raised there, that, that whilst the, the importance of mental health, which we're seeing, you know, as you, as you mentioned, across the press, um, but also being experienced in, in real life, but then the, the constraints on budgets. And you, you mentioned that the more is being made available. However, there is that, that constraint and that, those budget concerns and the financial concerns, obviously, with redundancies, furloughs, uh, and the economic impact. How, how is that being kind of addressed then? How, how is that being solved in some ways? Are, are they looking for more cost-effective solutions? Are they looking for different ways of, of addressing mental health? You know, whilst the importance kind of rises and, and the, 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 the budget kind of constrains, yeah, how, how, is that, how is that impacted? I think because there's been such a sort of documented increase in mental health issues because of the current situation, for some businesses, they're sort of looking at this in a sort of longer term sense and thinking that, yes, this may, even though our overall budget may have been reduced, we could actually save money in the future by spending a little bit of money now and investing in our people. So part of what we do at Thriving Workplaces, as well as our sort of county funded service that we offer within Norfolk, we do offer a commercial service um, nationwide, which includes our survey, the training that we do and sort of consultancy in that way. So we are actually being approached by companies who are interested both in our kind of free service, but then some other kind of paid for add-ons that we have alongside that. And I think that is because there's interest in sort of wanting to invest in people. And also for some companies, it's looking into sort of digital methods and digital means of protecting the well-being of, of, of individuals because we're not necessarily seeing our teams face-to-face anymore. And when we're doing, so we do mental health first aid training, for instance, and one of the things that we talk about a lot in that is that it's a sort of a deviation away from a person's kind of normal behavior. And that kind of thing is a lot more difficult to spot, you know, that, that kind of signal that there may be um, a problem with somebody's mental well-being. That's a lot more difficult to spot when you're not actually seeing people face to face. There's only so many things that you can notice on a one hour Zoom call, for instance, or via a phone call. So a lot of companies are recognizing that one of the greatest tools in their arsenal for protecting mental well-being of their employees, which was monitoring their behavior and sort of seeing them face to face and having these kind of like casual check-ins and casual conversations, that's not available to them anymore. So they need to start thinking about what can we offer digitally? What can we offer remotely to protect our people's mental well-being? So investing in things like Silver Cloud for the workplace especially because that kind of thing is something that people can do anonymously. People can do as and when they want to, to, to use the program. So that's a very individual thing that people can do to protect their mental well-being and increase their um, sort of uh, ability to cope with stressful situations and things like that. So companies are seeing that, you know, the things that, they're, they're, that they would normally use to protect people's mental well-being is no longer available. So they're more willing to invest in different things that are there to support people's mental well-being remotely. There's also so much sort of uncertainty at the moment um, with what's going to happen in the future. It's that kind of investment in great communication platforms as well. So whether that be around health and well-being issues or just in general company communication as well, which again, that kind of increases employee engagement which means that people are more likely to invest and to participate in any health and well-being offers that the company is making available to them. 
It strikes me um, from from one of the things that you said that that organisations now are taking very much a a long-term perspective when it comes to mental health. And and it it strikes me that in the past, it was very much reactive crisis management, here and now kind of management of mental health and well-being in the workplace rather than the the investment in, in kind of proactive prevention and intervention. Um, so, so that seems to me to be a real kind of shift in, in people's mindsets, as well as being able to, to kind of have to shift to different ways of spotting those, those problems. What kind of changes and what impacts are you expecting to see over the next 12 to 24 months from employers? How do you think they're going to, to kind of take that long-term approach? How are they going to be able to spot some of the the signs um, or manage some of the the impacts and changes to that flexible working that you describe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one of the sort of the biggest sort of changes that employers are going to have to make is being a bit more sort of flexible with the way that they are treating their employees, both in terms of their sort of working patterns, but also in terms of um, how, what, what sort of options they're making available for their employees, because people will be in completely different situations. One of the things with this, you know, while we all have um, the pandemic in common, it's affected everybody in different ways. Some people who've been on furlough, some people who've maybe lost their job, some people who've carried on working or have been working from home. And we all have different levels of comfort when it comes to sort of coming back into the workplace. So it's being more sort of flexible to allow for people's varying levels of comfort when it comes back to sort of getting back to some form of normality. It's important that we are recognising the fact that, you know, work overall is actually a really, really protective factor in our mental well-being. It gives us a chance for socialisation. It gives us a sense of purpose. And it sort of gives us a sort of a feeling of productivity and achievement. So it's important that employer, employers are, you know, seeing that people do want to be in work by and large. People do want to sort of get back to some form of normality. But as many plans as we can make, it's very, very difficult for us to, in the current situation, to make any long-term plans. So I think something that employers need to, need to do is to make sure that their communication is acknowledging this, that we're keeping everybody informed of what the current plan may be. We're keeping people informed of what our intention as an employer may be. But this is always subject to change and we will let you know as soon as possible when anything changes. It's having these kinds of more maybe structured checkups with people because we may not be seeing them face to face on as frequent a basis. So rather than maybe relying on people to employ employees to come to their line manager or to um, the mental health first aider in their workplace, their team leader or HR when they have an issue, maybe having scheduled in check-in so that people can be given that opportunity to speak about how they are actually doing in a safe and confidential private way rather than sort of relying on recognizing these changes in people and sort of maybe pulling them aside for a quick chat if we notice that because that's not something that's necessarily going to be as easy to see but also recognizing that this is a really weird time that we're in at the moment it's probably quite likely that a lot of people are not going to be okay or not going to be feeling quite as good as they normally would be and giving them options as to what they can do for their mental well-being 
whether that be using a service like Silver Cloud, which is really good for sort of protecting and um, well-being moving forward, or whether that be something more sort of personal and intensive, like offering things like the employee assistance programs that many businesses have in place. And it's also making, and it's also acknowledging the fact that NHS support is something that may not be as readily available or there may be longer waiting lists just because there has been such an increase in people reporting mental health issues due to the current situation and we are likely to see an increase in redundancies and people who are going through job losses. So it may be that there's a greater responsibility from employers to look after the mental well-being of, their, of individuals. Again, it's quite quite interesting that, that you kind of talk about the workplace giving a sense of normality and being really important for someone's um, well-being and mental health. Uh, and I couldn't agree more. And yet then on the flip side of that, we talk about a whole change in the way that we approach the workplace from flexible working, working from home. And that kind of provides a sense of non-normality for, for want of a better mm-hmm. phrase. So, so managing that is, is quite interesting that the, the sense that, that at the minute, not much feels, it feels quite normal. So, so all of the things that you, you mention in terms of having those processes, those systems and that help available to them and the choice, as you mentioned, from, from kind of the NHS to an employer kind of provided solutions, such as from thriving workplaces. All of those things that help when needed and required, as well as that kind of proactive kind of support is is absolutely kind of key. It sounds like we're obviously kind of reminded about COVID-19 in every part of our our, our kind of day-to-day lives. And I guess with, with that in mind, what advice would you give to employers, workplaces, who want to deliver a well-being program that can support people and both those returning to work and those that wish to continue to work from home. Cause, and I guess that, that also le- lends itself into this kind of, you know, push and pull in, in a sense, in terms of people making those choices and, and you know, that, that might impact, you know, their, their working environment. What, what advice would you have? Yeah, so I think the main thing is being flexible because people will have different levels of comfort when it comes to coming back to work. And also, we don't know what has been going on with people when they've been working from home, whether things like childcare have been an issue for that person and may continue to be an issue for that person. I know obviously there's a lot of, um, most schools are going back now. We also don't know what's happened to that person in their personal life, whether they themselves have been personally affected by COVID-19, whether a relative or a close friend or someone has been sort of infected and affected by that. Whether that person's partner, for instance, has been on furlough or maybe has been made redundant and there's a financial strain upon that individual. And also that person's individual mental well-being as well, maybe coming back into the office is something that's going to be incredibly difficult for them to do. Maybe they are living with somebody who's vulnerable. So coming back to the office is something that they definitely don't want to do. So it's sort of treating each individual as an individual case rather than having blanket rules for everybody, I think is the most important thing. Some people are absolutely desperate to get back into the workplace. They're sick and tired of working from home. They need a change of environment. They need to be around people. So it's allowing people to do that safely as as soon as possible as well, because being away from work, even if that person has been working from home, being away from their working environment has been damaging for that individual's mental well-being. I think that workplaces need to ensure 
that they're maintaining some form of face-to-face contact. So even if that is just in smaller teams, having a so, sort of socially distanced meeting in an open space, and um, which is something that we and our team ha- have done, is something that can be really, really positive for an individual's well-being. And also, as good as video, chat, Zoom, Microsoft Teams and everything else is, it's still not going to have the same kind of feel as a face-to-face meeting will do. It's communicating and making sure that people are aware that, you know, everything that the company is saying is subject to change alongside government guidelines. So we can't make any long-term plans, but here's how we are predicting and foreseeing things to go if it carries on as it is doing. And making sure that individuals know as soon as possible when there is some kind of change in the company policy or in the way that the company is doing things. And something I think that maybe has been overlooked quite a lot is the fact that a lot of people, if they haven't been on furlough and they have carried on working, they may have cancelled things like annual leave because a holiday has been cancelled or you can't go anywhere. Or maybe in some industries, there have been people who have had to be shielding or have taken time off work. So there's been a sort of pressure to not take annual leave to kind of sort of fill in those gaps in work. But it's important that we do take breaks, you know, not just our weekends or whatever, but we do take, you know, extended breaks and things. So maybe taking a look and seeing, you know, have have people taken their annual leave or do they still have all four weeks left to take before the end of the year? So making sure that people are thinking about their well-being and thinking, you know, when was the last time I did take an extended break and encouraging people to do that. And if the company has already got an established health and well-being package that they're offering, if they've got things like an EAP, if they've got mental health first aiders, it's reminding people of that. A lot of the time we tend to forget about these things if we're not told about them frequently. If it's not something that we've had to use, you know, two, three years ago when it was introduced, if it's not something that we felt was relevant to us then, we may have forgotten about it. But because of current circumstances, it may be something that we do, we would benefit from accessing right now. So it's reminding people about that kind of thing. Having regular check-ins from a team leader, um, as I said, because we're not seeing people face-to-face as frequently. And we have all been through something quite major. So just having check-ins, even if we aren't noticing that there is something going on with someone, is a really, really good thing to do. And it's leading by example as well. So if leaders feel comfortable speaking about their own experiences and how their mental well-being has been affected, even if it's not been affected in any major way, just saying that, you know, I found it really difficult to not be in a different working environment or I found that I was struggling to concentrate because I wasn't in my usual environment and I had my kids around or I'm really excited that I'm back in the office or I was really nervous to come into work today um, because it was the first time I'd done that in months. That's a really, really positive thing. Leaders, you know, speaking of their own experiences is something that will encourage other people to consider their own experiences and to maybe speak out more about them. But yeah, the overall kind of thing for workplaces is, you know, think about how flexible can you be? How can you make sure that everybody's needs are accommodated as much as possible? And how can you build on what you're already doing to ensure that people everybody has some some sort of access to some support should they feel like it, whether that be through sort of individual anonymous support, things like Silver Cloud, things like uh, EAP service, or are we going to, for people who do want to speak to the workplace about it, how are we going to make sure that they feel confident in doing so by letting them know, you know, 
that we've had our, our team leaders have all had mental health first aid training, for instance, or if not, here are the mental health first aiders. And you are encouraged to talk about these things within our workplace. So it's mainly just making sure that you are being, you know, acknowledging that people will have different needs and communicating what supports each individual is able to access. I mean, these are real fabulous kind of insights and real practical things that that, um, employers can implement uh, to keep their workplace and workforce, you know, in in the best mental health uh, as, as possible. And if I could just kind of summarize then, because um, unfortunately we, we are out of time and I could kind of continue to, to kind of chat for, for a lot longer. But, but if I can just kind of summarize in some ways, I, I think the, you know, what, what you said over the, the time we've had today is firstly that there needs to be this investment in workplace, mental health and well-being. And that kind of needs to take a, a long-term perspective. It's not just in terms of the immediate here and now. And, and with that investment, with, with that kind of focus on, on, on well-being and, and mental health to be kind of flexible, to be flexible to, to people's choices of whether to kind of come back to the office or not, and to be understanding of different people's circumstances, different people's kind of comfort levels, but also some of the experiences that they might have uh, gone through. And, and in order to kind of do that, I, I think you, you, you kind of touched on really importantly, having that personal connection uh, and whether that's kind of face-to-face in a kind of obviously kind of a physically distanced kind of way, or whether that kind of personal connection is just being able to kind of talk to, to, to them about non, non-work related issues. So that personal connection is, is, is really important. And lastly, being able to make that support easily accessible, to make that available so, so that it's, it's there whenever they need that support, whether that's EAP or whether that's kind of the use of technology. Um, and technology can can play a key role in, in building those connections and helping, you know, in, in terms of some, someone's well-being. So that, that's kind of some of the things that, that I've taken for, from this. And there's, there's many, many more things uh, that, that you've talked about. Um, I'd like to kind of thank you very much for, for your time uh, today, Rosie. That's been incredibly helpful for, for me. And, and there's lots of kind of key takeaways uh, that, that I'm going to kind of go and reflect on. So thank you very much for your time. Thanks for having me. The next podcast episode will be with guest speakers from the NHS, private healthcare and a Silver Cloud user, giving their perspective for this year's World Mental Health Day, which is all about mental health for all, greater investment, greater access. Join us next time. Thank you.